Rewind it back to the days of chillaxing on the beach and all-day fun with Spring Break on DraftKings Casino. Play exclusive games like Fan Fave Rocket. The excitement is endless, the vibes are right, and the cash prizes could be huge. New players, start playing with just 5 bucks and get 100 back instantly in casino credits. Download the app and use code COLLEGEDRAFT to book your one-way ticket to fun with DraftKings Casino. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Pour yourself a cold one. They strike them, huh? And listen to Russ Tucker break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of The College Draft. It is Daddy Soda time here on the College Draft Podcast presented by BetOnline.ag. Your online sportsbook experts use that promo code PODCAST1 for the 50% welcome bonus. I'm Ross Tucker, five teams, seven years, journeyman offensive lineman, now five podcasts. The Ross Tucker Football Podcast, we had Albert Breer on this morning. He was excellent, as well as Fantasy Feast Podcast, if you're into fantasy football, Even Money Podcast, if you like betting, The Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt, good time of year for that podcast as well, and it's a good time for this podcast as well, the College Draft Podcast, because they will have a draft somehow, some way. At some point, really appreciate, by the way, as we get closer to that time, you guys rating and reviewing this show. It helps us quite a bit in terms of the Apple algorithm or whatever. So please do that. Uh, Matt Waldman is off today. He is in the lab all over getting ready to put out his rookie scouting portfolio. So instead, we will be joined by my buddy, Stephen Che. He is all over the draft. He has his own podcast, Going Deep with Willie Colon, Barstool Sports. He's a producer of Barstool Yak. He's a good friend. And he is not only a Bucks super fan, but he also is a really, really good film evaluator. So we're going to get his thoughts on some of the college guys as well. All right, Stephen. So before we get into the college draft stuff, because I do want to get your thoughts in particular on some of these quarterbacks as well as some of the offensive linemen, because I know you are all over it. I first have to ask you about the Bucks because <laughs> there are reports that the Bucks are all in on Tom Brady, we're recording this at 9.24 a.m. Eastern Time right now on Monday. We'll see what happens with the legal tampering period in a few hours. But as a gigantic Bucks fan, 
I got to know what's going through your head. What are you thinking right now as it relates to your Bucks reportedly being all in on Tom Brady? I mean, you can't help but be excited. We've, in our history, since 1976, so that's spanning, what's that, 44 years, we have never once signed a quarterback to a second contract. So that's where we're facing right now with Jameis Winston, who... Uh, you know, is at the end of his deal is an unrestricted free agent, and he doesn't appear to be plan A, which, you know, the reports have come out that we're going all in for Tom Brady, or even plan B, maybe, as, you know, there have been reports of us being linked to Teddy Bridgewater, Philip Rivers, others. <clears throat> so it would appear that Jameis Winston's day, uh, days with Tampa are over. And, you know, if it means Tom Brady, I mean, what better alternative can you get than the greatest quarterback of all time? Are you are you sad or happy if it is the end for Jameis Winston in Tampa? I mean, I'm definitely sad that it didn't work out, but I'm very happy to move on. I mean, being a Bucks fan, you know, uh, for 23 years, uh, you know, especially the last five years, it's he's, you know, Jameis has delivered plenty of uh, incredible moments, but he's delivered about as many horrendous moments. So. You know, the, the pick six to, to seal the deal, it would be very uh, ironic if his last throw as a buck was a pick six, uh, a walk-off win um, for the other team. Uh, his first throw as a buck was also a pick six. That's kind of what he was known for this past season. He threw seven, which was an NFL record, which is just an insane number. Um, you know, I would have loved for it to have worked out. You know, I wish he could have been the guy. Everything, you know, draft measurables wise, you know, intelligence wise would say that he is the guy, but you know, he just has, doesn't have that, you know, extra it factor that Tom Brady and, you know, guys like that do have. And if it were to be Tom Brady, it would be an incredible upgrade, even though he will be 43 years old to start the season. Yeah. How do you think he fits in with the uh, Bruce Arians offense? Uh, I think he fits in well. So I actually did a breakdown of his 2019 tape, and a lot of it is positive. I mean, his arm strength, he's not, you know, Jamarcus Russell. He doesn't have a Jay Cutler arm. He's not Matt Stafford in terms of arm strength, but he has more than enough arm strength to get the job done. I mean, there are throws from last season where it's, you know, 50-plus yards in the air. There are very few throws that require – anything, you know, down the field vertically, anything longer than that. So I'm not worried about that as far as a lot of concerns have come up. Oh, well, you know, Jameis took a lot of sacks last year with the Bucks, so their offensive line isn't great. Pro Football Focus actually rated us a pretty good offensive line pass blocking wise. So I'm actually not worried about that. I think a lot of the sacks you look at can actually be attributed to Jameis Winston holding the ball on longer than most quarterbacks. I mean, he has very much the Ben Roethlisberger syndrome of hold the ball until he's ready to let it go. So I think Tom Brady, who is very aware of what he can and cannot do, um, will really benefit from uh, a line that has a lot of really highly paid guys. I mean, you look at Donovan Smith, Ali Marpet, and uh, Ryan Jensen, you know, the center to the left side of that line is all $10 plus million dollar a year guys. You got... Alex Kappa, who's an emerging guy, second-year right guard, right tackle. They have DeMar Dotson, who's been with the team since 2009. I, you know, They could bring him back maybe on an affordable deal, but they're probably going to look to upgrade that either in the draft or free agency. I mean, 
this is a this is a good line, and they also have what I would assume is the most attractive part for Tom Brady is the skill positions. I mean, they got two Pro Bowl receivers and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. They've got O.J. Howard at tight end, who was the first-round pick a couple years ago. Cam Brate, super reliable. Tanner Hudson has been an emerging. Uh, he'll be a second-year tight end. They just re-signed him. I mean, this team has what you would think would be very appealing for a quarterback. What As we get into the college draft part of it, Steven, since this yep. is the College Draft yep. Podcast, I'm curious, what lessons are there to be learned from the Jameis Winston's time in Tampa as it relates to the quarterbacks in this year's draft? That's a great question because coming out of college, you always hear, oh, he's the next Andrew Luck. Um, and that was said about Jameis Winston, and obviously that didn't pan out. You look at uh, top quarterbacks, you know, Mitchell Trubisky was the second pick a few years ago. Hasn't necessarily panned out yet. Not saying he can't turn it around, but, you know, Patrick Mahomes and um, Deshaun Watson after him have certainly turned out better so far. As far as lessons you can learn from Jameis, I would just say that, you know, the draft for sure is a crapshoot. Most of most teams are going to be at about a 50-50 hit rate. And having talked to, you know, GM personnel guys, front office guys in general, they don't feel like they necessarily miss on the player, but it's more the neck up. What is kind of concerning about Jameis is like from the neck up, he kind of has everything that you would want. You can look at him. He's got prototypical size, arm strength. He's not, you know, Lamar Jackson running the ball, but he certainly has enough pocket mobility to escape and, and run when he needs to. So I would just say that there's no such thing as a short thing. So even when we look at the top of the draft, Joe Burrow, Everyone has him going number one. You know, you see in the college football playoffs, he throws 12 touchdowns and no picks this year, almost, you know, a little over 900 yards. Everyone's like, all right, this guy is, you know, the next big thing. He's getting comparison to the aforementioned Tom Brady. You know, Jameis Winston was getting very high comparisons to, you know, Andrew Luck years before. So while Joe Burrow looks the part now, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to be, you know, that at the next level. Is there a quarterback, you know, I'm always interested, Stephen, this time of year in strong opinions one way or the other and really opinions that differ from what seems to be the consensus. I feel like in the run-up to the draft, there becomes this consensus and all the mock drafts look similar and all the evals, you know, everybody seems to have the rankings about the same. That never really interests me. Uh, what interests me is the way it is for teams, which is they have some guys way higher and way lower on their individual boards than the media consensus does. At the quarterback position, let's start there. Is it is there yep. a guy that you're a lot higher on than other people seem to be? Uh, you're hearing his name a lot more, Jalen Hurts. You know, he's just a guy that has won everywhere he's gone. His numbers are good considered. You know, he played with Oklahoma this year, so that's always going to be kind of video game numbers. He didn't put up the kind of numbers that Tyler uh, or Baker put up, you know, in years past, but he still put up very good numbers. And at one point was considered, you know, a Heisman finalist uh, or like a Heisman contender for sure. Now, do I think he's going to be you know, a franchise guy or like maybe Dak Prescott? I don't think that but if he's a guy in the third or fourth round you can have uh, I certainly like that Jake Fromm is another guy that I really like you know a lot of questions with him are 
does he have the arm to do it? You know, you see games like he played LSU this year, you know, where he's under 50% completion percentage. Uh, you know, he plays South Carolina. He throws three three interceptions. But at the end of the day, his numbers are 24 touchdowns, five picks of the year. He's got small hands. I mean, that's going to be an issue. He's got uh, sub-nine-inch hands, which is, you know, pretty much the, they would be the smallest in the league. And does he have the arm strength, you know, on tape, he looked like he could throw the deep ball, but, you know, he doesn't have that type of zip that a Jordan Love or a Jacob Eason or a, or a Justin Herbert's going to have on that. But when you look at a quarterback position, the things that are a lot of, you know, evaluators talk about are the most valuable things. It's accuracy and anticipation, and he's very good at both of those things. Let's go back to Jalen Hurts, because I think that's that's yep. a really interesting one. You know, it seems like, People are a lot more excited about Hertz after what he did at the Combine. Was it that good? I mean, he ran a good time. Uh, he looked okay throwing the football. Yeah, it's always important. You know, a lot of these guys say that you want to see a quarterback throw live. I didn't think he was overpowering like a Jacob Eason or a Justin Herbert, but, you know, he looked fine. Jalen Hurts, I mean, he's a total wild card. There are teams that could really love him, and you could see him going like something like round two. But at the end of the day, if he goes round four, I don't think think many people are going to be like, that's way too low for him. I mean, that's really his range. But at the end of the day, it takes one team to really fall in love with you. And I could see him getting, I I hesitate to say like a a Taysom Hill type role because he can do those things as far as he can run. He can certainly throw the ball, but do you want to really put him in a full, you know, 30 plus pass attempt role, especially as a rookie? I don't really see that. But, you know, if he could come in, at least do a Taysom Hill-type duty to start, that could be something where he could be more highly valued because that is something that can contribute right away. And if you you have a third or fourth-round pick, that would certainly be interesting to a team, I would think. You know, this is sort of a philosophical thing. But in general, are you more of a Jordan Love guy or a Jake Fromm guy? And hopefully you know what I'm saying about that. You already mentioned Jake Fromm as a guy you're higher on than most. But Fromm Mm -hmm. does not have the measurables or the tools, but has more of the intangibles and, you know, the track record of success at a high level. Love is more the physical marvel. And I think perhaps because of the success Patrick Mahomes has had the last couple years, they won the Super Bowl. People seem to be looking more for the next Patrick Mahomes type of guy, which, by the way, to which I would say good luck. Good luck finding the next Patrick Mahomes. But in general, do you lean more towards physical trait guy or intangible leadership guy? That's a good question. I think you kind of have to balance them both out and, like, provide context for both. So Jordan Love, not the year anyone expected. You know, he was coming off 32 touchdowns, six picks. 64% 64% completion percentage uh, in 2018, 2019, you know, he goes 20 touchdowns, 17 picks, completion percentage dips a little bit to 62%. But, you know, why did that happen? He lost nine offensive starters, his coaching staff kind of turned over. That can, I mean, nine offensive starters is basically the entire team minus one guy uh, on offense. So uh, besides, you know, the quarterback, that that's a huge deal. So, you know, you have to go back and look at the tape. While he did throw 17 picks, he could have thrown more than that. I mean, there are a lot of drop picks. You know, you and I talked about it. You were at some of the games, and you are not necessarily a Jordan Love guy. Now, I look at 
his arm strength and, you know, his pocket mobility gets her off platform. That's certainly very appealing. You know, if you're going with these guys, if you have whatever it is, the 32nd pick, you know, you, you tend to have to go to Jordan Love just because of the higher ceiling. That being said, they're not kind of even. So I would put Jordan Love ahead of Jake Fromm. That being said, Jake Fromm has so many great characteristics and intangibles and things that you do want in a quarterback, you know, the, the things we, that you just mentioned, the leadership, the accuracy, um, the intangibles, those, ty- those type of things that could project really well. But his physical limitations kind of put a ceiling on where he could be, whereas Jordan Love really doesn't have that ceiling. But I would say that Jake Fromm is the safer prospect in the fact that you know what you're getting. You, you see something at the store, you see it's marked for nine ninety nine. you know you've used this product before, you know that's what it's going to do, it's going to get the job done. That's kind of what Jake Fromm is. Jordan Love is kind of just a mystery box. You don't really know exactly what it is. It could be something great, it could be something you know not very good. What do you think about, you've referenced them both a couple times, what do you think about Jacob Eason and Justin Herbert? Yeah. Um, Ethan, I don't love, and this is kind of a tough spot for me because I am a Bucks fan. He's been heavily linked to the Bucks just because he does fit that prototypical Bruce Arians quarterback. Big guy, pocket guy, strong arm, not necessarily a mobile guy by any stretch, but he does physically compare to a Carson Palmer. Now, 23 touchdowns, 8 picks, 64% completion percentage this past season. Those are fine numbers and certainly draftable when you just look at them overall but what does he do well and what does he struggle with as i mentioned he's not a mobile guy he does have a great deep ball throws a really nice ball i would look even earlier in the season in the off season there were questions about if he was actually going to be the starter there was a backup there jay kaner who uh, ended up transferring who some of the team actually wanted him to be the starter so Ethan transferred from georgia after losing his job to jake from you know due to injury, but also, you know, once he got healthy from kept that job, he went to Washington and, you know, even his teammates after you know, spring ball are questioning who the starter should be. I've heard, you know, some things behind the scenes that he's more of a nine to five guy. doesn't really work hard unless he is the guy, uh, you know, last year, um, you know, when he transferred, he wasn't the guy. And I don't, from what I've heard, wasn't really putting in the hours that he needed to. This year obviously got more ahead of that and certainly has matured, but I would be a little bit nervous spending uh, definitely a first-round pick and even a, a day-two pick on him, if I'm being totally honest. I mean, he definitely, he definitely has potential with the arm. He probably has the strongest arm in the class, but arm strength, in my opinion, is the most overrated trait there is. Any, any sleeper quarterbacks, anybody else uh, that – that you like that you want to mention any other quarterbacks period you want to mention for any reason? Um, I mean, something I think is interesting with Tua is just like, where is he going to end up going? He, you know, the, there's been a lot of talk and posturing that the lions can trade out of three. And that's going to be the spot where he's going to go, no matter, you know, who trades up to pick him or if the lions just pick him. I think what's interesting to him and teams look at this, especially at the combine is the medical. So he had obviously the hip, he had two ankles uh, and had the Alabama tightrope surgery on both both different angles. I think just looking at his injuries, 
what is positive about them is that they were all contact injuries. None of them were non-contact. So you that would indicate that they're not necessarily chronic and maybe he's not as injury prone as you would think, but maybe it's three flukes. But how's he going to do with bigger, stronger, faster guys coming at him and trying to sack him and tackle him all the time? I think that is a major risk, but also a major reward because he's uh, kind of in the mold of a, a Drew Brees, a little bit stronger of an arm, and just as far as he can get the ball out quick, set up quick, uh, really nice deep ball. So I'm interested to see where he goes. He could. There's been talks he can go to Washington too. I don't necessarily believe that, um, but he's a guy you could look, you could see going three or his medicals could have him fall kind of down the board and we'll see where he does end up. I think what is interesting, and this has kind of been quelled now because it seems like after a meeting with the Bengals that Burrow is the guy, but hypothetically, and again, hypothetically, we've said in this conversation, the draft is a crapshoot. Jameis Winston coming out with the next Andrew Luck, um, you know, you can miss on these guys up high. Would you, hypothetically, if you're the Bengals, take a closer look at a guy like Justin Herbert, who you've had experience coaching in the Senior Bowl as he was with the Bengals coaching staff, and would you maybe trade down for a ransom of picks? Let's say with you know the Chargers, the Panthers, I'm sure, would be willing to give up a lot since they have a new scheme, a new coach. Joe Brady was the passing game coordinator, is now the offensive coordinator there. Would you rather maybe trade down to seven and pick up a guy you know you've worked with and you have experience with, albeit a week in Mobile, or are you going to take the chance on Burrow? Obviously, he has an incredible resume this past season, but as we spoke about, there is no sure thing in the NFL draft. Let's move on to the offensive tackles now because I know that's a position group that you like. To, to look yep. at and evaluate. I talked about him on Friday with Greg Cosell on the Ross Tucker football podcast. I have not had a chance to do deep dives on these guys as much as I would have liked, but I have watched enough clips that I have a pretty good feel for some of these guys. Um, is there an offensive tackle that really jumps out to you, Stephen, as being the number one guy? Yeah, I really like Jedrick Wills, uh, the right tackle out of Alabama. He could play left tackle if he needed to. Uh, Alex Leatherwood was there. He's returning. Um, Wills play on the right side, which was to his blind side. So in that offense is going to be the more important position. I mean, I really like him. He, he does everything well. He's uh, he's really good run blocker, really smooth pass setter. You would look at him, and you know, I listened to you guys talk, you and Greg, um, from Friday's show, and he is a little bit shorter. He's six foot four for an offensive lineman, but height isn't uh, as much of a requirement there. You just really want a big guy, and he has that size, but he's just more low to the ground. So something that stands out with him is he's just never on the ground. You look at guys like Tristan Wirfs; he's on the ground fairly frequently. Um, so these are guys kind of uh, jostling for position at the top of draft boards. And I really like Jedrick Wills. Mackay Beckton has also been mentioned up there. He is enormous. He's like six seven, like three hundred. I think he clocked in. We're waiting at the combine at like three forty six, but he you know has played at three sixty, three seventy. Just an enormous guy. Ran a five one forty, so definitely an athlete uh, at his size. But he's just so raw. Now, a lot of the NFL draft is: do they go to the right fit? Do they have the right coaching? Are they in the right? 
scheme. And I think with Beckton, he could absolutely be the best lineman at the end of the day when all is said and done. But I think he's really going to need some good coaching because right now he just wins with physicality. And when you get to the next level, you know, you're going to have to uh, do a lot better than that when you're playing against, you know, the type of edge rushers that the uh, offense that the NFL offers. You know who Wills reminds me of a little bit, which I, I wonder what he'll think about this. He reminds me a little bit of Willie Cologne. Your oh, co-host, yeah. your co-host on the Going Deep podcast. Just I don't know yep. why. I think the same number. You know, they're both seventy-four. Yeah. I think yeah. when you look at their body type, uh, when I look at their body types for both of them, I think guard. But okay. Will's. A very good tackle at Alabama, going to start a tackle in the NFL. Willie Cologne was a right tackle for a while for the Pittsburgh Steelers, mm-hmm. even though lacked ideal height. Both of them yep. are extremely powerful and do yep. such a good job of unlocking and exploding through their hips. Don't get Willie mad mm-hmm. at me. I think Wills is, is probably a better athlete, but I just look yep. at – Jersey number, body type, lack of height, and power that they are able to generate in a short area and why because of that some people think more guard than tackle, but yet they're both able to be effective right tackles. When I watched Wills and just talking with you, it just occurred to me, I think he's he's got some Willie Cologne in him. I mean, a guy that you draft even – as high as that, if he has you know a ten-year career in the NFL, you're going to be happy as a starter. So um, that's certainly what you're looking for with you know obviously potential Pro Bowl, et cetera. Um, so I think that's you know a solid comparison for sure. Willie had a really good career on the right side of the offensive line. You know, as you mentioned, he was a right tackle. Looking back at a, uh, uh, I don't remember the number Super Bowl, but the the Cardinals uh, Steelers one. I mean the the San Antonio Holmes catch. You watch that play actually Willie does a really nice job stealing off the right side allowing Ben to step up and you know deliver that ball to San Antonio Holmes so uh, I think that's absolutely an apt comparison yeah I'm looking I'm going to watch him more but I just both of them the the amount of power that they're able to generate when they unlock their hips in a short area Mm -hmm. it's just really really impressive and it's funny I didn't really think of that until we started talking. I was like, you know what? He kind of reminds yeah. me of uh, Willie Cologne a little bit. What do you think of the uh, the two Georgia offensive tackles, uh, Andrew Thomas and Isaiah Wilson? Yeah, I mean, I really like Andrew Thomas. He is assuming the Bucks stay at 14. He's a guy I would hope would be there. He's a better run blocker than pass blocker. And he's not as flashy. I mean, you look at you know, when you're looking for clips, you look at Makai Becton highlights and you just see him just putting people on the ground nonstop. And, you know, you think, wow, this is unbelievable. You know, that that's what you want to see out of off the line. When you look at the tape, you know, it's obviously less consistent, which is fair because it's highlight tape. But Andrew Thomas doesn't have as many, I guess, highlight worthy blocks, but he always just gets the job done, which is the description, the job description for the position. So um, Andrew Thomas, uh, is the guy that I really like. 
as far as Isaiah Wilson, I mean, he's huge, you know, playing on the right side. Um, probably a day two guy, but definitely a lot of potential there. Uh, you know, Georgia as a whole, for a while, has been able to run the ball for uh, a lot of yards. You know, just even go back to, you know, Todd Gurley, and they've just been churning guys out. Nick Chubb obviously turned out to be a really good pro. Um, Isaiah Wilson, if you're looking for a right tackle and you have the coaching that can mold him, um, I definitely think he's a solid player that you can target on day two. I mean, this is a really heavy offensive line class. I think you're going to see guys, um, Josh Jones from Houston, I think really improved his stock at the senior bowl, getting with coaches. Austin Jackson is an interesting story coming out of USC who had, um, I think it was marrow, uh, transplant surgery, uh, you know, gave, um, uh, I don't know, it was bone marrow or kidney to his uh, to his uh, sister, I believe. Um, so he obviously was at less than ideal strength this season and didn't put as good of tape out, but you know is regaining that strength and uh, definitely has the potential as far as his size and his feet to be a really interesting uh, player at the next level. So I think there are going to be a lot of guys. Cesar Ruiz um, out of Michigan is an interior guy who will probably go day one. A lot of really good players. Uh, in this draft class, so if you're if you have a pick in the day one or day two, um, offensive line is going to be another spot with receiver uh, that's going to be really plentiful. This podcast was plentiful. Really appreciate the time, Stephen. Again, highly encourage everyone check him out on Twitter at Stephen Che. Stephen with a V, not the PH, and Che is C-H-E-A-H. He's all over Barstool Sports and, as you can tell, all over the Bucks and the NFL draft. Really appreciate the time, Stephen. Awesome. Thanks, Ross. See ya. You know, the last thing I want to mention is something I mentioned as well on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast today, which is that with no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think that there's nothing to bet on. And you might be bored and cooped up in your houses, whatever. Well, you're wrong. Bet Online still has hundreds of places to wager, from their online casino to poker and blackjack, all open 24 hours a day, all online. Sports aren't totally done. There's still MMA, esports, many more. You can bet on American Idol, the elections, plenty of stuff. Go to betonline.ag. Don't forget that promo code PODCAST1 for your 50% sign-up bonus. BetOnline, they are your online sportsbook experts. And again, as I mentioned earlier in the show, please rate and review this show. A lot of people are looking for draft podcasts this time of year. So if we get a bunch of you to rate and review it, it'll show up better when people do a search for NFL draft podcasts and more people will get a chance to listen uh, and also, please check out the Ross Tucker Football Podcast today. There's a lot of news going on around the NFL. Albert Breer was excellent on the Brady stuff, as well as whether or not uh, he thinks the new NFL league year should start in about two hours, at least the legal tampering period portion of it. Other than that, the keg is kicked. We're all tapped out. Thanks for listening to the College Draft Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and the Business of Sports. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.